Amen. What a powerful message to that song. Thank God for all he's done. Amen. And just look what God has done. Uh, I want you to take your Bibles this morning, open the book of 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. And uh, I want to bring a message this morning that really goes right along with that song, looking what God has done and thanking God for what he has done. And um, as we mentioned, this is the last Sunday that we'll be here at, uh, at this property. And uh, again, that's kind of a bittersweet uh, thing. But just to reflect and think about what God has done uh, through uh, the ministry of First Baptist Church and uh, in your life and in my life and just uh, so thankful for what God's done. In First Chronicles chapter 16, we'll begin reading verse number 1 and then we're going to jump down to verse number 7. It says, So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt sacrifices and peace offerings before God. Jump down to verse number 7. Then on that day, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the beautiful music and the Lord, the songs that have just been sung to lift up the name of Jesus. Lord, this morning, as we just think and meditate upon your goodness and your love, Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts and that, Lord, just draw us closer to yourself. Lord, you're so good to us and we're so undeserving. And so, Father, just bless in our service now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to draw your attention to verse number 12. David says, remember his marvelous works that he hath done. Remember. Remember his marvelous works. David doesn't say, I want to remember what I've done. David says, I want to remember what God has done. When you think about the life of David, you would think that there would be many things that David could say, well, look what I have done, right? I mean... Not too many people can say that they've killed a bear and a lion with their bare hands. Not too many people can say they've killed a giant. Not too many people can say they've gone out and fought battles and won victories. In fact, even uh, during that time as David would go out for King Saul, they talk about the songs that they would sing as Saul has slain his thousand and David his tens of thousands. There'd be a lot of things that David could say, well, look what I have done, but that's not what David said. David said, remember his marvelous works that he hath done. When you come to chapter 16, we'll find that David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. And chapter 15 details him bringing it into Jerusalem. But now it's there in Jerusalem where uh, David wanted the Ark of the Covenant to be. And David is finally on the throne. And after all that had transpired in his life... Uh, from being that shepherd boy out in the fields one day when he was just keeping the sheep that he normally did, that was his daily routine. He'd go out and watch the sheep, and all of a sudden, as he's there and thinking of the sheep, maybe even 
playing his harp with the sheep or whatever, all of a sudden this, somebody runs up to David from, the, from his father's house and he says, David, the, the prophet is here and the prophet wants to see you, the prophet Samuel. And no doubt David is thinking, why does the prophet Samuel want me? And David begins to run back to the house and he enters in the house and there, of course, is the prophet Samuel and God tells Samuel, There's, he's the one. He's the one. It wasn't Eliab, the David's oldest brother, who was, who was a soldier and, and bigger and stronger. It wasn't his other brothers that were there that, that could have been chosen. But God says, hey, uh, Samuel, that's the one. That's the one I'm going to have to be the next king of Israel. And David gets down on his knees and Samuel takes that oil and pours that oil on his head and anoints him to be the next king of Israel. But you know, things didn't actually go smooth sailing from that point on. David had to endure some things. He had to endure jealousy from his brothers. You can imagine his brothers are there, and I have two older brothers, and they're always jealous of me because, <laughs> well, you can just imagine because. <laughs> but, uh, so I mean, you can imagine, I mean, here David has these older brothers, and David is the one, that, the, the little brother, the little brat, you know, the, the little one that's, that, that's always been in the way, and he's the one chosen to be king? I don't think there was some jealousy going on with the older brothers. We know there was, in fact, because even David, when David goes to, uh, to the Philistines, when the battle's taking place, Eliab, his oldest brother, is there saying, hey, you're just here to, you're just here to cause trouble. There was, there was some jealousy, there was some, some resentment going on between the brothers and David, and yet David had done nothing. David didn't ask to be chosen to be king. It wasn't David's, oh, I, I signed up for this. No, this was God had put him in this place, and so David had to endure the, the jealousy and, and, and some of the strife from his brothers. You think about when David was almost speared by King Saul. Again, not, nothing that David had done, God had used, given David a talent of playing the harp, and, and by playing that harp, it would actually calm uh, Saul's spirit, and, and so David would play the harp, and yet, because Saul knew that David had been chosen to be king, Saul wanted to kill David, and so uh, Saul picks up a spear and, and throws it at David, trying to kill him. Well, what had David do- done? David didn't do anything. He was just following God. David didn't, David didn't sign up for this. He was just being obedient to what God had told him to do. You think about how he was branded as a traitor and hunted through the hills of Israel, running for his life. Saul constantly chasing him. Saul, the armies trying to destroy him. Not only did he have to fear the, the, his own people, but even the Philistines. The Philistines hated him because of all the the victories that he had won, the battles he had won against them. And so now David is constantly looking over his shoulder, wondering who's coming after him. Is it the Philistines coming after him? Is it the Israelites coming after him? who's, Who's trying to kill him? He had to go through a lot of things. Twice he had the opportunity to kill King Saul, but he wouldn't do it. Twice he had an opportunity when... He was hiding and Saul happened to enter into one of the caves where David was hiding. Again, I don't think anything just happens. I think God allowed Saul to enter into the cave where David was hiding and even his own men encouraged him, hey, this is your enemy, go ahead and kill him. And David says, no, 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 I can't can't touch the God's anointed. I didn't put him as king, God did. And I'm not going to remove him as king, I'll let God take care of that. He has opportunity to kill his own enemy in Saul, but yet he would not. 
And finally, his time has come to be king. Through all of that, he finally becomes king. Saul ends up dying at the hands of the Philistines, and his sons die, and, and so finally he becomes king, and now he is on the throne, and he tries to move the Ark of the Covenant uh, from where it was and tries to bring it to Jerusalem, and as they were bringing it, they, they did not do exactly what God had told them to do in moving the Ark of the Covenant, and so they just put it on a card, and they're moving it, and as, the, as it was moving, the, the Ark of the Covenant began to shake, and a man uh, puts up his hand and, and steadies it, and God kills him because God had told them that they were never to touch the Ark of the Covenant. And so now David, David's kind of afraid of, of what's going to happen. So the Ark of the Covenant is placed in a man's house by the name of Obed-Edom. And, and the Ark of the Covenant stays there for several months while David's trying to figure out what to do. And, and finally he figures it out and says, hey, the priests need to go and they need to carry the Ark. And, and so they bring the Ark. And chapter 15 talks about them bring the Ark back into uh, the city of David. And, and, and so God has done all of this. And, and now they're rejoicing in things. But as we think about what David is saying here in verse number 12, he says, remember his marvelous works that he hath done all throughout this all throughout David's life no matter what was happening whether it was good or bad David saw the goodness of God in his life he saw the goodness of God many times we have this idea that God is good when things are good and when things are bad then God must not be good anymore here, here's the problem with that, though. If that were true, then that means God's character changes. God doesn't change. His character doesn't change. Just as God is always a holy and a righteous God, He is always a good God. You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't see His goodness many times in my life. I don't feel His goodness in many times. That doesn't change the character of who God is. He's still good. And David began to see that in all that he was going through. He saw the goodness of God. Think about this in Psalms chapter 23, probably one of the most famous Psalms that David wrote. We don't have time to read the whole chapter, but in verse number six, what does David say? David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He does not say, surely goodness and mercy will follow me when things are going well. What did he say? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. All the days of my life. Even when he was running from, the, from King Saul and, and things were not good, David understood that God is still good. The goodness of God is still there. In fact, that's why in Psalms chapter 27 and verse number 13, David said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hey, can I tell you something? David... David didn't always, you know, I don't think David just was always bubbly and had a smile on his face as he's running from King Saul and just saying, oh, here we go. We get to run away from King Saul again. This is so wonderful. I don't think he had that type of an attitude, right? If he did, I think his own men would have probably killed him for that, right? I mean, what's wrong with you, man? We're, we're running. We're having to flee for our life. No, but, and even during the times that David didn't understand, when you think about uh, when the Amalekites came and, and, and they came to Ziklag and they, they destroyed Ziklag and they, they killed people and they took his wife and they took his children and the other guys and, and his men wanted to turn against him. David still saw the goodness of God. He said, I had fainted. I'd fallen away unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Can I ask you this morning, do we see the goodness of God 
no matter what we're going through. I didn't say do we enjoy what we're going through. Do we see the goodness of God in all that we're going through? Because it doesn't matter what it is, God is still good. God is still good. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying this morning that every, every morning you have to wake up and you have to go throughout the whole day and, and never you know, get down and, and always have this smile on your face and, and always be singing and all this. Look, I, I understand we have, we're flesh, right? I understand, hey, you're going through a sickness, you're, you're not going to feel good some days. I, I understand that. God understands that. I understand you're going maybe through a financial problem. Hey, there's going to be some worry. There's going to be some fretting going on. You're going through some family problems, maybe some marriage problems. You're like, I'm just not sure what's going on. But no matter what we go through, we can always know that God is good. The goodness of God. Remembering his goodness. David said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. In Psalms 39, verse, or excuse me, 31, verse number 19, David says, oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee. Think about it. David says, God's goodness is great. God's goodness is overwhelming. Because you know what, you know what David understood? David understood that he didn't deserve God's goodness. You understand that? We don't deserve God's goodness. We don't deserve the goodness of God in our life. We don't deserve the blessings of God. But I'm glad God is good. Do you remember that day that you came to know that you were a sinner? And you recognized that you could not save yourself? And that you needed Jesus Christ to save you from your sin? You remember that day? You know what that day is? That's the goodness of God. You know why? Because you don't deserve to be saved. And I don't deserve to be saved. None of us deserve to be saved. Every single person deserves to spend eternity in a lake of fire because we have sinned against God. We have chosen to disobey God. Yet it is because of his goodness that he was willing to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sin. You know what man tries to tell you? Well, you can be good enough to please God. You can be good enough to earn your own salvation. <laughs> Friend, let me tell you something. There's nothing good that you and I can do. There's nothing good that you and I can do to earn salvation from God. You can't pay for it. You can't do anything for it. You can't, you can't get baptized and think you're going to get it. You can't be a member of a church and think somehow that's, that's what's going to get it for you. You can't do, keep, try to keep the Ten Commandments and think somehow that's going to do it for you. Because here's the thing. When you compare all of the things that you think are good in your life and you compare it to how good God is, you know what you find? We're not good. You know how I know that? Because the Bible says in Romans 3.10, there's none that doeth good, no, not one. None. But yet the world wants us to think that somehow we can earn salvation. Friend, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, do you know why you're here today? It's because of the goodness of God. You're here today because of His goodness, because He wants you to know that you can be saved. 
He wants you to know that it's not by what you can do. It's not by trying to be a good person. It's not by trying to be a member of a church. It's not by trying to, to give or any of those things. The only way that you can have your sins forgiven is by trusting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You see, that's the goodness of God. You think about the blessings. If you, if you know Christ as your Savior, He's made you one of His children. You think about the blessings that God has done in your life. You look back and you think of all that God has done. Maybe it's, maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your, your job. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's your health. Whatever it might be. But you look back and you see how good God has been. And God was good there. And, and God was good there. And yes, I understand that time was really rough in my life. But I know God was still good in that time. And you begin to look at all the things that God did and how good He was. You understand, that's what David is saying. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done. We don't deserve any of those things. We don't deserve them. But aren't you glad God is a good God? He's good. He's good. David wanted to bring the ark from Kirjath-Jerim didn't go the way that he planned when they finally got it to Jerusalem though David is so excited that he writes a psalm a psalm of praise a psalm to give thanks for the goodness of God as he remembered all that God had done think about this in in verse number one it says so they brought the ark of God set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it they offered burnt sacrifices and peace offerings before God and then you jump down to the verse number four it says and he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record and to thank and to praise the Lord God of Israel so they, they've brought all of Israel out to to praise God for what he has done and David writes this psalm and the Bible says that he writes this psalm and he gives it to Asaph who was kind of a uh, if you wanted to say Asaph was kind of like brother Shane in our church Asaph was the the song leader he was the music guy right and he gives it to David and he says or he gives it to Asaph and he says Asaph I want this psalm to be to be read and I want it to be sung for all the people to hear and what is it what is it the psalm really goes from verse number 8 all the way down to verse number uh, verse number 34 we don't have time to read the whole thing But think about how he begins. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. You know, when we remember what God has done, remember the goodness of God in our life and our salvation and how he's blessed, you know what we ought to do? We ought to make his deeds known among the people. We ought to talk about the goodness of God. We ought to tell others about how good God has been in our life. And please understand, I'm not talking about, you know, bragging and being braggadocious and, and look, at, look at me. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about simply talking about how good God has been. When you think about the world and the situation that we're in in our, in our country today, where is, where is there any good news? There's no good news anywhere, right? In fact, the news channels might as well just title themselves bad news channels. That's all they are. It's all bad news, right? I mean, it's, it's just bad news. This is happening over here, and, and this person over here, and, and this was found out over here, and this country is about ready to go to war here, and it's, it's all bad news. Everything's, you don't even want to watch the news anymore because you know it's just going to be bad. 
And people at work, man, things are going rough in their life and the economy's not good and, and their families aren't good and, and, and work isn't good and, and no, nothing's just good. Man, why don't we talk about the goodness of God? Why don't we let him know, hey, there is something good and his name is God and he is a good God. You say, but pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. Look, I, I didn't say everything's going to be perfect. That's not what David said. David went through some pretty rough times, but David understood that even through those things that God was still good. And he said, that's what we want to remember. We want to remember the goodness of God. Remember his marvelous works. Sing unto him, he says in verse 9. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Talk about the things of God. Talk about how good God has been. And I'd say, what a difference that would make in somebody's life just to hear some good news. Just to hear something good. Just, I mean, just tell, man, bring it up at work somehow. Man, it's so exciting in our church. We're getting ready to move into a new building. Why are you moving into a new building? Well, because we can't fit in the one we're in. How come you can't fit in the one you're in? You know why? Because of the goodness of God. Talk about the goodness of God. This is what he's saying. Let it be known. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done. Why is it important to remember his goodness? Because if we don't, we'll end up losing our faith. Now, please understand, I did not say we'll lose our salvation. It's not what I said. Don't go out of here saying, oh, pastor said you can lose your salvation. <laughs> Look, I've been preaching at this church and pastoring this church for over 10 years. Never has it ever come out of my mouth that you can lose your salvation. Never. And it never will. Because the Bible says it very clearly, you can never lose your salvation. But we, when we don't remember his goodness and we, we don't remember what he has done, we begin to lose our faith. We begin to lose our trust and our knowing that God can still work. This happened in Matthew chapter 16. You don't have to, yeah, we don't have time to turn there. But in Matthew chapter 16, the disciples are with Jesus and Jesus is warning them. He says, hey, I want you to be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Sadducees. And of course, if you know what leaven is, leaven is yeast. It's what's used to, in bread. And he's saying, I want you to be, I'm warning you about these things because he was trying to explain spiritually that their false doctrine can creep in and it can spread and it can cause destruction. But the disciples aren't really grasping the spiritual aspect. They're thinking of physical food. And they're thinking that Jesus is somehow wanting bread. And they begin to look around and like, oh, we got a problem here, guys. We don't have any bread. We don't have any food. And, and Jesus is talking about bread. He's talking about food. And so, but, but the problem is we don't have any food. And Jesus stops and he says, wait a minute, guys. Hold on. Have you forgotten the miracle of the five loaves that fed 5,000 people? Have you forgotten the miracle of the seven loaves that fed 4,000? Jesus is saying, guys, wait a second. Hold on a second. Have you forgotten what God has already done? Have you forgotten how God, Jesus, was able to take five loaves of bread and two fish and feed thousands of people with that? You've forgotten how he was able to take those seven loaves and feed 4,000 people? What happened? The disciples had forgot how good God was. 
And though they had been with him and they had seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, they had forgotten. And when it came time to really step out by faith and trust God and say, hey, guys, it doesn't matter if we have bread or not. We've got the, we've got the guy that can create bread out of nothing. I mean, we, we've, got the, we've got the creator of the universe right here with us. And, and if he wants bread, I guarantee you, he'll, he'll bring bread. Not a problem. I mean, we remember what he did, those five loaves, and we had, to, we had to give out all that bread to all those people, thousands. That, yeah, we remember that. But instead, they forgot. They forgot what he had done. And then when it comes time to really trust in God, oh, I just don't know. I just don't know if we can, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how it's going to happen. You know, isn't that like many of us many times? I just don't know how God's going to get me through this. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what, you know, what's going to happen in our country. And we begin to fret and we begin to worry. And we begin to wring our hands like, oh, I'm just not sure if God can handle this. Wait a minute. Hold on. Remember his marvelous works. Remember what he has done before in your life. Why? Because when you remember what he has done, then you're like, man, if God can do that and if God can do that and if God can do that, man, this thing that I'm facing right now, hey, I guarantee he can handle that too. You see, by remembering what he has done, it helps us to trust him and it it proves our faith and says, hey, God, I can trust you with this because I know you're good. And I know even in times that that didn't go the way I wanted, you were still good and you still had a plan and you still had a purpose. And because you were good then, I know you're going to be good today and I know you're going to be good tomorrow and I know I can trust you. Remember, he says, remember his marvelous works that he hath done. When we stop and think about all that God has done through the ministry of First Baptist Church on the corner of Maple and Lexington, it just gives me goosebumps. It just gives me goosebumps to think about what God has done. You think about the longevity of faithful doctrine. Over 70 years. I didn't get a chance to know the pastors that were here before Pastor Hill, but I know... I knew Pastor Hill, and I knew Pastor Hill preached the Word of God. I knew Pastor Hill preached exactly what was here. He preached faithfully for 42 years as the pastor, and then eight years as Pastor Emeritus, he was faithful in preaching the Word of God for 50 years. I tell you, that's the goodness of God. You understand that in our, in our day and age, the average tenure of a pastor at a church is about two and a half to three and a half years and we were lucky or I shouldn't say the word luck it wasn't luck we were blessed to be able to have a pastor that was here for 42 years I tell you that's the goodness of God the longevity of of doctrine that faithful doctrine over 70 years If you know a little bit about the history of the church, you'll know that back in 1951, it was started. It was started in the Eaton Armory building. Started over in the Eaton Armory building. They met there for about a year and then God gave them this piece of land and and they began to build here and then they moved over here and and actually it was actually in this other building that we're not even a part of right now. It's where the nursery is and and the children's classes and, and that's where they began to meet and then God began to bless and they began to grow and guess what they needed to do? They had to build another building and they built this building. And God began to bless, and then they added on, and they ended up building the building behind. And over, the, over those years, God just continued to bless, and God continued to work through the ministry of the church. You think about the thousands of people who have walked through those doors in the back. The thousands of people 
that have entered through those doors and heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ. The thousands of souls that have been saved through the preaching of the word. Some of you were saved right here in this building. Some of you were saved here. Some of your children were saved here on this property. Some of your grandchildren saved because of the ministry of First Baptist Church. Can I tell you? That's the goodness of God. That's the goodness of God. Those that have been saved. You think about the families and lives that have been changed. I don't know how many families that have come through and they said, Pastor, we just, we just didn't think there was any hope for us anymore. Maybe it was heartache or maybe it was burnout or something like this, but they came, they said, we just didn't think there was any hope, but we just decided to try one more time. And we found what we needed. We found the grace of God. We found a people that would care for us and love us as we are. The families that have been changed. Lives changed because of the ministry of First Baptist Church. The ministries that have been started out of this church. Some of you may not know there's a church in Arizona today because of First Baptist Church. A man by the name of Rick Lewis was from this church, went out and started a church in Arizona. Churches all over Uganda started because of the ministry of this church. Sending us, my wife and I as missionaries, and, and the churches that were started there, and the radio station that was started, and, and the souls that are saved in those places. That's the goodness of God. You think about the missions money that has been invested in the cause of Jesus Christ. Just in nine years of our faith promise giving, over $600,000 has been given. Plus, you think of all the, all the amount that was given even before we started faith promise. There is no doubt in my mind that there's been millions of dollars that has been invested in missions through First Baptist Church. That's the goodness of God. That's the goodness of God. There's so much to remember of what he has done here. But here's the thing that we have to be careful of. Moving to another building doesn't change any of that. Sometimes we can get this idea that, well, God is only working here on this property. No, 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 friend. It's not the buildings that God is using. It's the people. It's the people that God is using. Oh, yes, we can be thankful that we're able to meet in a nice building. And I tell you, it's not about the buildings. It's about the lives that God is using. It's about the souls that God is bringing to him. In fact, moving to another building actually allows us the opportunity to see God do even more mighty works. Why? Because we know what he did here. We know what he did through the life of the church here for 70 years and how God blessed and, and year after year after year continue to grow and continue to bless. And now because we're having to move to another building, God's not just going to stop. We're not just going to stop building and growing. We, we can get this idea. Well, now that we're moving into another building, we're just going to kind of, we're just going to, you know, kind of level out and just, you know, we're just going to hang out now. What, what, what do you think we're doing? We're not moving to another building just so that we can kind of maintain. 
we're moving to another building because we're growing. And once we have moved into this other building, it's not that we go, okay, this is where we want to stop. No, we want to keep reaching people with the gospel. We want to keep trying to invest in people's lives and families and help their lives be changed to know Jesus Christ. We just get an opportunity to do it in a little bit bigger place. We can know because of what he's done here. More people will have the opportunity to walk through doors. More people will have the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. More people will be saved. More lives and families can be changed for the glory of God. More ministries can be started. More can be done for missions. It's the goodness of God. You see, Jesus didn't want them to forget the miracle of the five loaves and the seven loaves. He wanted them to remember them so that they would know that he could do even more and greater miracles. Don't ever think that because we're moving properties that somehow we're thinking that God is done working. Oh, oh no, friend. God isn't done working. In fact, the only reason that we're able to move into a larger building is because God is still working. The way that God has worked it out for us to be able to get into this building is an absolute miracle of God. There's, there's no other way to explain it than it is truly of God. And, and how God just continues to work things out. It's of God. And we know that God is going to work just as much there as he has here. Because it's not about the building. It's not about these walls or the roof. It's about those who are in the building. It's about you. It's about the church body of believers. We don't ever want to forget the miracle of Maple and Lexington. But remembering it will help us to know that God wants us to do even more. And he'll do even greater things. This is what David is saying. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done. If we had the opportunity, and, and uh, we don't, but if we had the opportunity to take a microphone to some of the folks that have been here for years and years, longer than even I've been here, they could talk about the goodness of God. They could talk about what God has done through this church before you and I even came. And say, man, we saw God do this, and we saw God bless here, and we saw God here, and we saw God here, and and all the way up through now, we see God continuing to work. Friend, God's not done. Sometimes we get this idea, well, God can't do anything like what he did before. Wait a minute, that's what he's saying. Don't you remember what I did there? If I can take those five loaves, and if I can take those seven loaves, and if I can feed thousands of people, don't you think I'm able of coming up and figuring out what we need to do today? Don't you think I'm, I'm able to do greater things today? You know why? Because he hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. Now, sometimes we change and our faith changes. We're like, well, I'm just not sure if God can do that. Then remember what he has done. Remember, look in the past. Look back and see how God saved your soul and look and see what God has done in your life and then stop and say, if God can do that, I know he's got tomorrow taken care of. Remember. Remember his goodness. David goes through and says, this is what God has done. 
And he goes back, and not just about what God has done in his life, but what God had done in Israel's life. He says, remember when we were, remember it was just Abraham? That was it. It was just Abraham. And God began to bless and gave him a son and gave him a son. And the nation began to grow. Remember when we were taken down into Egypt? We didn't think that was very good. But God didn't forget about us. God delivered us out of Egypt. When we came to the Red Sea, God was still good. He opened up the Red Sea and brought us into the, into, uh, the, 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 the land across the, uh, into the Arabian desert there. And, and then God continued to provide the manna and the food. And, and he brought water out of a rock and all these different things. Do you remember what God did? Remember his marvelous works. Why? Because we serve a good God. And God's not done. Please get that in your head today. God is not done with First Baptist Church. I truly believe, just as I said 10 years ago, the greatest days are ahead. I still believe the greatest days are ahead. I'm not taking anything away from what God has done. No, God has been good and God is blessed and God has done great things. But I still believe God is going to continue to do great things. But are we willing to trust Him? And step out by faith and say, God... I know you can, because I remember, I remember what you've done. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done. In verse 34, he says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. We can give thanks because we serve a good God. God is going to continue to work and do great things. We just need to be in on it. We just need to be in on what God is doing and just trust him. I wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. No one looking about. Friend, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you thought it's just by being a good person, maybe by going to church, getting baptized. Maybe you thought that's how you'd be able to go to heaven one day. Friend, those things cannot save you. Those things cannot forgive one sin. Only Jesus Christ can do that. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Andrew, I'd like to know more about how I could be saved. I'd like to know more about how I could have my sins forgiven so that I know that when I die, that heaven is my home. You say, Pastor Andrew, that's me. I'm not, friend, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But I would like to pray for you this morning. You say, Pastor, that's me. I'd like to know more about how I could be saved and have my sins forgiven. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Nobody else is looking about. Just lift it up and put it right back down. Pastor, pray for me. I'd like to know more. Nobody's looking about. Just slip it up, put it right back down. Pastor, pray for me. And Christian, if you know Christ is your Savior, can you remember how good God is? Remember what God has done? Remember how He saved you? He's good. 
That's what he wants us to remember. In just a moment, we're going to have the piano play. But before the, and when the piano plays, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're able, and I understand if you're not able. But when we stand in just a moment and the piano begins to play, if you're able, I'm going to ask you to, to come down to this altar. Or if you're not able, just stay right there where you're at. And I want you to ask you to do two things. Thank him for his goodness in your life. Praise him for it. Praise him for it. Thank him for his goodness. And then secondly, ask him as we move as a church to continue to work and do great things through the ministry of First Baptist Church. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. The pianist is just going to play softly. If you're able to come, I'd love to have you come. The altar.